us ears to hear. Give us a heart ready, open to receive. Lord, we don't want to leave the same way that we came. Fill us up today with the Holy Ghost. Lord, let not one of us leave the same. Lord, but absolutely saturated, filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. We thank you for it, Lord. Fill us up, Lord. Amen. I want to take a look at today the 16, 16 reasons or the, the, the significance of, if you will, 16 reasons why we pray in tongues. What is the significance of praying in tongues? You know, we, we talk a lot about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and uh, we talk a lot about the power that is associated with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, but a lot of churches have removed the, the teaching and the understanding of tongues. There was, there was two things that were happening on the day of Pentecost. They received power, but they were praying in tongues. They were praying in other tongues. So what is the significance of praying in tongues? We want to take a look at that today. There had to be, within the tongues themselves, this essence of power of, of the Pentecostal blessing of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father that was to come. John the Baptist, matter of fact, when Jesus started his ministry, John the Baptist said, one who's coming after me, he will save the world from their sins and he will baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest of all prophets. Why was he the greatest of all prophets? Because he had the understanding, the revelation of Jesus' ministry. His ministry was to come to seek and to save those which were lost. And his heavenly ministry continues today. He is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He wants to baptize you. He wants to fill you. So why do we pray in tongues? Number one, it's a restoration of divine communication. It is a restoration of divine communication. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. The the message version says this, If you praise him in the private language of tongues, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing intimacies just between you and him. So when you pray in the spirit, you are praying heavenly mysteries. You are having divine communication. If you go back to the Garden of Eden and you go back to the very beginning, man walked with God in the cool of the day. There was no hindrance in their communication. There was no sin. There was no depravity. There was nothing hindering this communication and intimate relationship. But when sin came in, the communication was shut down and the communication stopped and it became all about the works of righteousness, the sacrifices to obtain access back into the presence of the Lord. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a restoration, praying in the Spirit is a restoration of this heavenly divine communication. How many of you know that your natural brain gets in the way? (laughs) We try to figure everything out. We want to try to figure out you know, what's, how God ought to operate. We try to tell God what he needs to do. We try to tell God what his plans ought to be. We try to tell other people what God's saying and, and are out of our own mind. We don't even necessarily speak on behalf of God. We're speaking our own ideas and our own, and all of these things. Jesus, you know, is not giving us direction that contradicts the word. So when the Holy Spirit prays and we're having this divine communication, It's not contradicting the word of God, first off. Secondly, God says in Isaiah that my ways, Isaiah 55, I believe 58, 55, 8, my thoughts are not your, my ways are not your. So we know that our natural mind, you all tracking with me? Our natural mind gets in the way. Our natural thoughts are not God's thoughts. And our natural ways of doing things are not God's way of doing things. So praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, is praying according to the will of God. You've heard us say this, don't think, just drink. <laughs> Stop trying to figure God out. Stop trying to process in your own mind and pray in the Spirit. Allow God to pray through you. First Corinthians. Verses 14 and 15, what are we to do with this then? What did Paul teach us is is the response to this? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is the conclusion? 
I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in my understanding. And so we see very plainly here that Paul tells us that we are to do both, that both are absolutely important. You take time praying in your heavenly language. You take time praying in your natural. And the more that you do that, you will find that there is a unity that forms between the two. You may start off praying in the Spirit and and feel like, well, I want to go this way and I want to do this. But the more that you yield to the Spirit of God, the more that your will conforms to His and you find yourself moving in the same direction as God. Number two, why do we pray in tongues? Because it brings unity and fellowship. It brings unity and fellowship. In Jude, verses 20 and 21, it says in the New American Standard Bible, it says, but you, beloved building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. The Good News Bible says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I want you to think back To Genesis chapter 11, we find the story of the Tower of Babel. They were all speaking the same language, and they all had the same mission. What was their mission? In Genesis 11, they said, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower. They said, let us make for ourselves a name. In other words, they were trying out of pride and arrogance to unite together to accomplish building this city and this tower. And God said, nothing is impossible. So he confused their language. On the day of Pentecost, fast forward with me to the day of Pentecost. They were all in one place. They were all in one accord. The the baptism in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, brought a unity, a cohesion. Now this is interesting to me. Because if you look at Acts 2 and what's taking place, I, I have this conflict in my head. They were in unity. They were all in one accord. That's what the Bible says, is it? Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they were all in one place, they were all in one accord. Is that what the Bible says? Okay. I have a conflict because they're all praying differently. They're all praying in different languages. So I look at that and my natural mind says, how can they all be in unity? They're all praying differently. Have you ever thought that in a service where you've come into a service and maybe you've seen people praying in tongues, some worshiping in English in their natural languages or or some worshiping in tongues and and you're like, this doesn't make sense. How can we all be in unity if we're all praying differently, right? But Acts obviously makes it very clear to us that they were not in unity of necessarily the same language. They were in unity of motive and their purpose, which was and became obvious when the people in the city heard them praying in tongues. What did they hear? They heard them glorifying God. When you come into our church, you may hear a diversity of tongues. You may see different styles of worship. You may see different ways that we worship. But ultimately, the motive and the unity of our church is that we are here to worship God, period. There is no other motive. Amen? There is no other motive. There is no other purpose in gathering other than we are here as children of God worshiping Him. And as a result of that, if you're here and you're not born again, you will get born again. <laughs> if you are here and you are sick, you will get healed. If you are here, well, how, do you, how could you say that? Because that's what happens in the presence of the Lord. Well, it's not happening on my time frame. Well, who said it was your time frame? They waited for a while. But God came. In Psalms 133, it says, the blessing of the Lord is commanded on those who are in unity. Praying in tongues brings us into supernatural. Can you just think about that for a moment, unity? 120 people in unity. I'm a pastor. Ask me how hard that is. (laughs) It's hard to get myself in unity with some days. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You wake up in the morning, you want to stay in bed, and you got to get yourself in unity with where you need to be going that day. 
There are days you don't want yourself to be in unity. Praying in the Spirit brings supernatural unity. Number three, why do we pray in the Spirit? Because it's building ourselves up in our most holy faith. It's building ourselves up in our most holy faith. Jude verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Faith is our spiritual perception. You know, it's been inappropriately described, faith is a muscle. you got to work your muscle. Faith is more than a muscle. Uh, Andrew Murray describes in, he, in his uh, commentary on Hebrews, and I think it's a great description, that faith is our spiritual perception. Like we perceive in the natural, we have eyes, ears, the sense of touch. We have five senses. So is our faith in the spiritual. With our five senses, we know the absolutes and the certainty of the world around us. By faith, we know the certainty and the absolutes of the unseen world around us. And so by praying in the Spirit, we build up our faith. We increase our faith. Our faith becomes more alive and more active as we pray in the Spirit. Why? Because we're yielding to the Holy Spirit who imparts faith. And so as we pray in tongues, as we pray in the Spirit, He releases faith in our life. We live in a world, in a society that is full of sin and depravity. It's full of everything carnal and natural. We, you know, whatever feels good in the moment is what we do, what we perceive and what we see. And the natural in this life, that's what we pursue, that's what we do. Does anybody hear me? And so we have to live as believers, the righteous shall live by by faith. And so praying in the Spirit helps us to live in a place of spiritual perceptivity, being able to perceive the world around us. The more that you do it, the more that you pray in the Spirit, the more sensitive and the more aware of the world around you that you'll become. If you have trouble sensing and being aware of the presence of the Lord, pray in tongues. If you have a struggle in your life, pray in tongues. If you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, pray in tongues. If you have a bondage in your life, pray in tongues. <laughs> it will increase faith in your life and you'll be able to see the plan and the purposes of God clearly. Number four, we pray in tongues because it brings edification. 1 Corinthians 14.4, Paul said, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And so we know praying in tongues, it makes very clear that praying in tongues edifies ourselves. Now, let me pause here and say this. There is a teaching that has come out of this verse that somehow we've deducted out of reading this, and not obviously studying it, but out of reading it, certain ministers have deducted that this means don't pray in tongues because you're only edifying yourself. I don't think that's what Paul's saying if you read the context of this. What Paul is saying, he's stating the obvious. All he's doing is stating the obvious. He's saying, if you pray in tongues, you're edifying yourself. If you prophesy, you're edifying the church. He's not saying don't do either or, one's better than the other. He's just saying this is what happens when you do it. To say don't do one because of the other is like saying you shouldn't eat chocolate because people have diabetes. <laughs> I like my chocolate. Don't touch my chocolate. He who speaks in a tongue edifies. Some of you will get that when you go home. <laughs> the word edifies there means build a house. It means to establish a structure, to build up, to set your life in order. When you pray in the Spirit, you're setting your life in order. You're building a structure, a healthy structure. We used to have this term, and it was coined in the early 1900s around the Azusa Street time. You don't hear it as much these days, but it's the term praying through. We used to use that growing up. I grew up in an Assembly of God church, and we, we knew what it meant to pray through. I've been in churches that have used that term praying through, and they associate it with having a good cry fest. You got to come around the altar, and if you don't cry a good cry, you haven't prayed through. You can pray through and have a good laugh. <laughs> Praying through was not associated with what was happening on the outside and the physical. Praying through was praying in tongues until the glory came. 
That's what praying in tongues and praying through really meant. And we've, we've wandered off the beaten path a little bit as it's our natural tendency. But, but we have to get back to the foundation of praying in tongues until there's breakthrough. Until I say until you hit water. Dig that well until you hit water. You may feel like you are praying in the spirit and it is dry and you can't sense God and you don't see the direction of heaven and nothing's happening. You can't feel anything. You feel burned weary. Pray in tongues until you hit bottom until water starts gushing out of your innermost being. Out of your belly will flow rivers. With joy I will draw from the wells of salvation. Dig, dig, dig. Pray through, pray through, pray through until there's breakthrough. Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm getting happy up in here. I may take off running. Pray, press through, press in, press in until you see breakthrough in your life. Stop talking And speaking curses, pray in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, but I say walk by the Spirit. Praying through is learning to walk in the Spirit. And what happens when you do this? You will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. If you have struggles with sin in your life, maybe you have a bad attitude, pray in the Spirit. If you have a pornography addiction, pray in the Spirit. It's really hard to watch porn on the computer and pray in tongues at the same time. I'm not being disrespectful. It's true. Pray in the Spirit. If you have a bad attitude, pray until you find the joy in praying. Pray in tongues until you find the joy in it. And it's really hard to get mad at that coworker because you're laughing and praying in tongues about it. This week, I forget what happened. I, I got a, something happened on Wednesday. And Wednesdays, I'm all, you know, Wednesdays is my, I'm preparing for Wednesday night service. And, and something happened on Wednesday. I don't know what happened on Wednesday. But some, I, see, that's how much this praying in tongues will affect you. And, and I, I turned on my worship and I started, I'm in my office praying in tongues. And I'm going to pray in tongues until I get breakthrough. Because I don't want to be mad at a grumpy Christian in the pulpit on Wednesday night. I got to look like Jesus in front of all y'all when service starts. I got to have something flowing out of me and touching you. And being cranky Christian is not going to work too well in when I'm going to preach, right? So I had to pray in tongues. I'm just being real. So I'm praying in tongues. And as I pray in tongues, I, the joy of my salvation starts bubbling up on the inside of me. That started about 4.30. I was supposed to be at a meeting at 5.30. Service started at 7.00. About 7.15, I roll out here. <laughs> I don't know what it happened, but, but Mandy told me the meeting I missed. She came to knock on my door, and she said, there's no way I'm not going in there. Something's happening. He needs to put a warning sign on the door because I'm going to end up on the floor the next time I come to his door. So I can't tell you exactly what happened that day because I forgot because I was praying in tongues. I, I left that world. I don't know what happened. I really can't tell you. I don't remember what happened that ticked me off so bad. I can't tell you. But I can surely tell you how the Lord came into that room and how I discovered the joy of my salvation in that room. And I can tell you how I laughed myself into hysterics. <laughs> I can tell you right where I was sitting in my office. And I bet you that seat's still covered in glory because I was having a great time. Pray in tongues, it'll do you good. Number five, he brings victory over our weakness. We pray in tongues because it brings victory over our weakness. In Romans 8, 26 through 28, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how we ought to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That word helps, many of you have heard us teach on this, is the compound, compound, compound word. It's multi-compound word in the Greek that Paul made up. And it is soon anti-lambanami. <laughs> you could get happy just quoting that word. 
You don't even know, have to know what it means. It just makes you happy to say it. Sunanti lambanami. I'm looking at disease. Sunanti lambanami. I'm looking at financial trouble. Sunanti lambanami. I'm dealing with a difficult person at work. Sunanti lambanami. You just go around and start telling everybody. Sunanti lambanami. Means he helps us. <laughs> it's the picture of a lifeguard, if you will. A li- you know, when you're drowning out in the middle of the ocean, when you're drowning, you want help. Help! You know, you're not, when you're drowning, you're not making a nice little prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. That's what you're doing. Help! And the lifeguard comes running. And they come out and they wrestle with you against the waves, against the ocean. They're wrestling with you to pull you to safety. That's what the Holy Spirit does when we pray in the Spirit. We need help! <laughs> and as you do, the Holy Spirit comes. You begin to pray in the Spirit. And He's wrestling with you. He's working with you. He's striving with you to get you to safety. He's trying to get you out of yourself. You don't know how to pray about that situation anyway. That's what Paul said. You don't know what to pray anyway. And you're going to pray according to your own thoughts and your own mind, your own will, which are not the Lord's. So how about you pray in the Spirit? We pray in the Spirit because we pray God's will over ourselves. Romans 8, 26, we just read that. It says that the Spirit himself intercedes for who? Us. Intercedes for you. As you pray in the Spirit, you're praying the will of God over your life. You're praying God's plan for your life. It might be a current situation that you're aware of. You might be facing a difficulty, and you're praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and you're praying the will of God for that situation that you're facing with. Facing, And it might be a futuristic thing that you're dealing with. You might not even know as the Holy Spirit, and you probably don't need to know. I mean, let's just be real. If, you, if we really understood what the Holy Spirit was praying about ourselves, we'd tell the Holy Spirit to stop. That's mean. We would. What did Jesus say to Peter? I pray that once you get through this time of sifting, we'd be saying, no, I'm not going through that time of sifting. No, no, not doing it. And we'd shut it down. But praying in the Spirit, when you get through this time of sifting, you'll be able to strengthen the brothers. What if the Holy Spirit was praying through you that plan of God right now? And all you're praying is, Lord... I want breakthrough. I'm over this. I'm claiming I'm done. I'm over. I'm out of this thing. Hallelujah. Bless God. God said, yeah. Uh-huh. Just wait. Just wait till the rooster crows. Then we'll see where you're at. Just wait. Is your faith real enough to keep you when the rooster crows? Better be praying in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah, y'all are having fun up in today. This is good. We see God, we pray, what number are we on? Eight, <laughs> seven, I don't know where. We intercede for others. I, I'm having a good time. We intercede for others. Romans eight twenty seven. We intercede for others. Six was we intercede for ourselves. Seven is we intercede for others. Romans 8, 27. He who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the the saints. Now, this isn't like, you know, St. Mary and St. Peter and St. all these people in heaven. The word there is saints as believers in general. He prays for us. The Spirit is praying for you and I. God chooses to work through you. As you pray in the Spirit, you can pray in the Spirit and intercede for others. Sometimes it's a, it could be an um, intentional time of prayer where you're taking time to intercede and you're, and you're praying in your natural language for someone in their situation and you take time to, to go between your natural language and your spiritual language and, and the Holy Spirit will begin to pray through you for that situation. Sometimes it's spontaneous. You know, we've had that happen uh, in services a couple of weeks ago. We had someone that was receiving prayer and, and immediately they had the Holy Spirit began to move upon them 
to intercede, they were laying on the floor, and to, to the outward, it looked like God was ministering to them. But to them, and what was happening on the floor, is that they were interceding for a situation that they were dealing with the next day, and they, they had no idea until God began to speak to them about that situation. That's intercession. That's Holy Spirit-inspired intercession. Number eight, we pray according to the will of God when we pray in the Spirit. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints, what? According to the will of God. So when we pray, very plainly in the Spirit, we are praying according to the will of God. Our job is to yield and pray and let the will of God come forth. Now what happens? As you begin to yield your, your, your tongue, your body, yield to the Lord and you're praying in the Spirit, he begins to change and shift the desires of your heart. What does the Bible say? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, he will place, he will give you the desires of your heart. As you delight in the Lord, he begins to shift your desires and your desires begin to line up with the will of God instead of your mind and your will. So praying in the spirit helps you get out of your natural mind and into the flow of what God is doing. I always say you gotta get when you're on the river in your boat, you got to get your oars in the water. When you're sitting in that boat, stick out your oars and begin to go with the current that God's going. Don't go against him, but praying in the Spirit is like getting your oars into the water and rowing with what God is doing in your life. Number nine, we see God working on our behalf. When we pray in the Spirit, we see God working. Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't see what God was doing? You were just like, man, I do not get it. I don't understand how God could ever fix this, work this. I don't know how this is going to work to my blessing or my benefit. What does Romans 8.28 says? Notice, before you start quoting, notice we often disconnect Romans 8.28 with 26 and 27. Paul is connecting Romans 8.28 with praying in the Spirit. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. How do we know that? Because we're praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings revelation to us that our natural mind wouldn't ordinarily see. So as you're praying in the Spirit about that situation, all of a sudden, God reveals to you, oh, duh, I can't believe I didn't see that before. Well, of course God can do that. Well, I might, I might be like Peter and go through the, the temptation. I might go through that. But God's going to see me on the other side of that. And it's going to be a testimony to those who've watched me go through. Ah, why could I have thought of that? Number 10. Praying in the Spirit connects us to God's wisdom. <laughs> How many of you need wisdom? Every single one of us. I, you know, I love this. You know, uh, Alicia had posted on Facebook about how she was having a difficulty at work and something that she needed to do. She's a, uh, can I, she's a corporate attorney. So, you know, that's a challenging job. You have to, you're dealing with documents all day and people. You got to write, you know, accordingly. And if you misspeak, uh, that's not good. <laughs> Your company loses money. And so she had a project she was working on and, and had to hear, you know, she had to know exactly how to write this contract. Well, she, instead of skipping Wednesday night church, as a good Christian would do in this situation, <laughs> they're not going to skip Wednesday night church. They're going to come to church and say, Lord, I know you're going to speak to me at church about this. You've got it all worked out. So she's up here on the floor somewhere. And wouldn't you know, as you begin to pray in the Spirit and you begin to saturate in the presence of the Lord, God spoke to her about that project. Not only did he speak to her, but he gave her the exact word and what to write and how to handle that situation down to the, the little period at the end of the sentence. How do I know that God can do that? Because praying in the Spirit brings you into alignment with the will. He will show you things. It's like opening up the storehouse, the treasure house of heaven, and God releases the wisdom of heaven into your life. Praying in the Spirit is so powerful because you can all of a sudden step in to the, the treasure rooms, if you will, of heaven and all of the wisdom, all of the blessing, all of the knowledge, all of the understanding, all of the blueprints, all of the direction for your life, for your business, for your family. It's all contained 
Where? Right there in heaven. It's on the scrolls of wisdom written in heaven. When you begin to pray in the Spirit, you can receive a download from God. The Holy Spirit, what does he do? He makes, Jesus said, he makes known what is mine to you. He takes what is mine and he reveals it to you. So he reveals the wisdom. First Corinthians 2, 9, verse, uh, verses 9 through 13 says, but just as it is written, these things, things which eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and which have not entered into the heart of man. This is speaking of eye. Our natural eye has not perceived, our ears have not perceived, and our desires, our heart, our desires have not perceived all that God has for us. Our natural senses cannot even begin to comprehend all that God has. So praying in the Spirit releases not just our natural senses, but our, our spiritual sense of faith to understand the reality of God, the wisdom of God. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the, the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So the Holy Spirit is revealing to us the depths of the mysteries of God. Can you, I mean, our mind can't even wrap, wrap around that. The, the eternal nature of God and the Spirit is revealing it to us. As you pray in the Spirit, He's revealing. He's, he's, and it might be just little nuggets at a time, but that's all you need. Just one little drop at a time, one little nugget of truth at a time. And it changes everything. It changes, even in the natural, even in the physical world, not just spiritual. Even in the natural, one drop of wisdom from heaven changes everything. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. So the spirit of God knows the thought of God and reveals them to us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. It's awesome. Number 11, we speak in tongues, we pray in tongues, because tongues is a sign to the non-Christian world. We are talking about this earlier. Now, in case you didn't believe me, here's a scripture for you. You know, because we, we, how many times have you heard, well, we don't want to pray in tongues, we're going to put that in the back room, because we don't want to offend anybody. I had someone tell me one time, well, we don't pray in tongues publicly, and sir, an assembly of God minister, we don't pray in tongues publicly because we might have non-believers in the room. I said, so who's your, who's your police? Who walks through your building and tells you whether or not you have unbelievers in the room, whether or not you can pray in tongues? Who's, who's patrolling that for you? Do you have a secret service team that walks through the building? Are you bored again? We have an unbeliever on aisle two. Aisle two, we have an unbeliever. Can't pray in tongues today. Can't pray in tongues today. Stop it! do with it? Some of the crazy things. Some of the crazy things we come up with. Here's what Paul said about it. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers, I will speak to this people. And even so, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So then tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Prophecy is for a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. And so it's very interesting. The very thing that God has given us, the very gift assigned to the unbelieving world is available and we shut it down. On the day of Pentecost, the tongues, praying in tongues was very evident. It was front and center and it attracted a crowd. 3,000 people were saved as a result of people praying in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. God used that as a sign to the unbeliever and they got born again as a result. Our world is looking for a supernatural experience. I mean, you look, you look around us and you see all the occult and the movies and the, the games. Ouija, they have a movie about Ouija boards now, I hear. I mean, you just got all sorts of crazy stuff out there. How many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you have said or thought, well, I hope they don't pray in tongues today? I'm bringing my friend to church. I hope they don't pray in tongues. I hope it doesn't get, you know, too weird because they're praying in tongues today. You know, my friends come over. What, what you're actually saying when you say that is, I hope God doesn't show up today. Yeah. What you're actually saying is, I hope God doesn't show up today because I'm bringing a friend, the very person that they need to meet. I hope he doesn't come today. <laughs> 
Because God's praying in tongues. That's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praying in tongues. We're, you know, we, we, step, we get weird. You know, I had someone tell me once before, well, you know, I just don't like talking as much about the Holy Spirit. I'd rather just talk about Jesus. I said, I don't think the three of them are in competition. I think God's fully happy amongst himself. He is one person, expect, one person, one God expect, expressed and three distinct persons, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Father. I don't think they're competing against one another. Matter of fact, we read it earlier, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is Jesus' heavenly ministry. So when we talk about praying in tongues and we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and we talk about the, who the Holy Spirit is, we're talking about God. He's not offended. <laughs> I would imagine he's probably offended, though, when we try to put him in the back room. I'll just throw that out. Number 12. <laughs> he doesn't do well with tombs. Some of you will need to listen to the podcast, and you'll get that. It's therapeutic. Isaiah 28 says, this is the rest for the weary. Isaiah prophesied that speaking in tongues was connected to rest. Hebrews tells us to strive to enter to his rest. Are you anxious today? Are you striving today? Do you feel yourself in worry and fear today? Pray in tongues. It's rest for your soul. It's bypassing your natural understanding. You get worried and fearful and anxious because you're trying to figure it out in your own mind. The emotional response that you're having is by what you see and perceive in the natural. Praying in the spirit makes the supernatural more real than the natural. Number 13, we pray in tongues because it brings the anointing. Everybody doing all right? I'm loving this. I'm just, I could go all day. I hope you're okay. 13, <laughs> some of you are saying, Pastor, you got to let us out. We're going to go eat. Oh, you're about ready to eat. We're going to serve up a big spiritual feast. You're going to eat. This is, this is just laying. We're setting the table. Number 13, it brings the anointing. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17. I love this. Talk about spiritual armor. This is, let me preface this. Some of you have heard me say this before. Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 17 is not about your demonic ectoplasm and going out and pulling down and tearing up and saving up demons in your basement and doing all sorts of study, demonic, blah, 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 blah. People get weird. Y'all are quiet. That people get weird with stuff. <laughs> Ephesians, so this is what this is about. It's very simple. It's written, you know, the Bible answers itself right here. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, we teach that this is the word of God. And yes, in a sense it is, but that is not the Greek word that is used here. When we reference in scripture, where you see the word, the written word of God, or the incarnate word of God referenced is the word logos. When you talk about Jesus, the word became flesh. And the word, the written word, it's the word logos in the Greek. In this scripture, it is the word rhema, which is the word a right now word. It is a spoken word of God right now. So when you are taking up the, the sword of the spirit, it is the spoken word of the spirit of God in your life. It's taking the scripture. Of course, he's revealing scripture to you. So ultimately, yes, it is the word of God. He's revealing scripture, but it is a word for that moment, a word in due season for that moment that you take. It is your offensive sword. Everything else about the armor of the Christian is defensive, but the sword of the Spirit. As you pray in the Spirit, you are raging, waging, raging, waging, you're raging, you're waging <laughs> spiritual warfare. Now, a lot of times we think, you know, spiritual warfare is I bind this, I loose this, I this, I that. Just pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. It makes life so much easier. 
Because all of a sudden you're releasing, instead of your brain and your thoughts and your ideas of what you're binding and loosing, you're praying right in alignment with the word of God. You're praying right in alignment with the will of God and the direction of God. And so you're binding and loosing and praying in tongues uh, as you pray in tongues. It's powerful. The anointing of God breaks the yoke. In verse 18, the very next verse in Ephesians 6, very next verse, it says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. All times we are praying in the spirit the Word of God connected, the, the Word of God, the Spirit, the Word of God, Ephesians 6, part of our armor, the Word of God connected with praying in the Spirit, verse 18. Number 14, it opens the door to the supernatural world of God. In Acts 22, y'all doing all right? In Acts 22, I'm seeing... You know, we started with 500. I'm seeing if we get down to 120. I'm seeing, if, I'm seeing how long we can go and see who the faithful are today. <laughs> see who the hungry are today. Number 14, opens the door to the supernatural world. In Acts 22, verses 17 through 21, it talks about Paul is giving testimony to rest in Jerusalem. And he's testifying about what happens as he prays in the Spirit. Verse 17, it says, it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and I was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me, make haste. So what happens is Jesus appears to Paul as he's praying in the temple. He falls into a trance. Now, we used to have a guy uh, in one of our services, every once in a while, he would fall into a trance. Now, uh, you know, I would, I would say that, you know, sometimes being slain in the spirit, as we call it, the falling on the floor, sometimes as you're there on the floor, it feels like you're in a trance. You can, it's like the world around you, just you're aware of it, but it kind of dissipates in the spiritual world and what God's saying and doing becomes more real. Uh, but but it's, it's interesting to watch someone who is upright fall into a trance. <laughs> and uh, I, I would see this, this guy, it was so funny, you know, many times he, he would get up from the altar and he would, he would start walking, and then all of a sudden, he would go into slow motion. It would be, he would just start walking, and then he would freeze. And he would stand there for hours, just frozen, in a trance with the Lord. And God download and speak to him. That's what Paul, you know, we think sometimes this stuff is hokey. But this is Bible. Paul experienced a trance. Y'all are quiet in here. <laughs> When's the last time you were in a trance? <laughs> you know, people say, well, that's... You know, someone posted something on Facebook this morning. My poor wife, she had to tell me. Another minister said, well, it's the day of Pentecost, but it's not about the glory clouds, and it's not about, that's not biblical. Starts talking about how everything's not biblical. An AG minister. I say, you know, Heather, just... We don't chase after manifestations. I got that. I don't chase after signs and wonders, but I'll say this. Signs and wonders will follow them that believe. So, so it may not be, it may not, that's not my pursuit. That's not what I'm after. I'm not, I'm not in here all day. God, would you have a glory cloud today? Can we see a glory cloud today? No, I'm not a, I don't ask, I don't know, Lord, can I have gold dust on my hands today? Can we see people? I'm like, I don't ask for those things. But it happens. And I'm fine if it does. God's just tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, buddy, I'm right here. I'm loving it, and I'm giving my blessing. I'm just letting you know I'm here, and signs and wonders are going to follow them that believe. It is biblical. Revelation 1.10, John, the revelator, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. How do you think he got there? <laughs> Praying in tongues. He was in the Spirit, and he wrote Revelation. In the New Testament church, if you look through the book of Acts, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they were praying in tongues, and you see the progression of the supernatural world that followed. Immediately, you see 3,000 people born again. Supernatural evangelism. The lame man who couldn't walk since birth is now walking. They're meeting in a prayer gathering in someone's home, and the building was physically shaken. Peter's having a meeting, and the husband and wife die in front of him when you love to come to church and watch somebody die in front of the preacher. 
You lied to the Holy Spirit. Uh, hey, security. <laughs> let me just say, we have, let me just pause on that moment. We have a great, we have a great safety team and and they, they work hard to make sure everything from our children's ministry to our church services, everything has a safe environment where people can receive and not have to worry about what's going on in a church service or who's coming in or what the situation. You know, if you, and I thank God, I've, I've, I thank God for security teams and safety teams because I've had, I've had people stand up and curse me out in services. I've had people make death threats, charge me while I'm preaching at the stake. I've had all sorts of weird stuff. So I thank God for those people. I thank God that somebody's got my armor and is ready to, to I mean, I trust the Lord. Don't get me wrong. I trust the Lord, but but, uh, but, but I also trust my nine millimeter too. So I thank, the, I thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for all of those. But, <laughs> it's funny because uh, uh, Rodney, one of, you know, one of our ministry friends said in his church, he's in Florida, of course, so he, he somebody asked him in one of his services, you know, so what is your take on conceal and carry? Do you feel like you should have guns in church? And his response is, yes. And all I'm going to say, if anybody ever comes into my church with a gun is, duck. (laughs) You just want to make sure you're under the pew when it happens. But, uh, but I, I, trust, I trust our guys, and I thank God for them. And if you, if you ever see, let me say this, if you ever see a situation that's handled by one of our safety team, and every once in a while there is, understand that they are trained, they're well-trained, and they're doing what they're supposed to do to protect the environment and protect the atmosphere, what God's doing, and they don't do it lightly. And if something has to be handled, it's been many times addressed behind the scenes. It's not just something that happens in the in the front of everybody without any direction or discretion. There's many things that happen behind the scenes. We don't air people's dirty laundry. If you came in here and caused a scene and had issues and you started manifesting, you don't want everybody to know your, your juicy story. You don't want people knowing that's not what church is all about. We're not going to air your dirty laundry. We're just going to say, you step out in the foyer. We'll deal with this outside. So anyway, bless the Lord. Let me just throw that out there. So, there, so the progression of the New Testament church we see after they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit that this progression, you see the husband and wife is Stephen. Stephen's standing up, he's preaching, and, and the power of God, the signs and wonders. Philip is translated. He's preaching the gospel. And God sets him down over another city. I'm waiting for that. Lord, I just want to, that would be so cool. I could think of some really cool places to go to. Just make sure you ask me where you put me before we go. And then you got Peter at Corny, 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 you have Corny's house. You have, <laughs> you have, oh, good old Corny. You have Cornelius's house where everybody's, everybody's waiting on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they, while Peter was yet preaching, Corny and all of his friends got baptized <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. While, while Peter was still preaching, Cornelius and everybody there, you know, people ask, well, why? Well, you know, why is the joy and all, you know, people, all this happening while you preach? While he yet preached. And then you got angels showing up, getting people out of prison. And then, you, you know, the demon possessed, you know, all that fun stuff, all that fun stuff. The, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, it's the progression. All of these things begin to happen. Number 15, praying in tongues is the ministry of Jesus continued in Christians today. In case you don't believe me, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. I'm going to read these because this, this is probably one of the greatest challenges for the church today to accept that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the power of God, the praying in tongues is for today. Acts 2 verse 33 says, therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see in here. He poured out this, which you now, Jesus poured out. Acts 1-4, and being assembled together with him, he commanded, Jesus commanded them to wait for the promise of the Father. 
that you have heard from me. Jesus taught about the promise of the Father. In Luke 24, verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. Jesus sent the promise of the Father, and you will be endued. You will be clothed with power from on high. John 14, 16, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, Allos Paracletos, one just like me, and he will abide with you forever. He will continue the ministry of Jesus and abide with us. John 14, 12, most assuredly, I say to you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do and greater works than these because I go to my Father. Why can the believer do greater works? Because the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him. So the Holy Spirit, Allos Paracletos, has come to help us and continues the ministry of Jesus in us today. And number 16, finally, everybody said amen. Hallelujah. We're going to pray for people in a moment. And we're going to pray for people tonight to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that likewise this morning. But make sure you come tonight, 6 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Number 16. It affects our tongue and the direction of our life. Praying in the Spirit affects our tongue and the direction of our life. James 3, verses 3 through 5. Now, if we put it into the horse's mouth, these little tiny bits, so that they will obey us, and we direct their entire body. James 3, verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. And verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Death and life. The power of death and life is in the tongue. Praying in the Spirit is filling your mouth with the words of heaven, the direction of God for your life, intimate communication with God, and it directs your life. The more you speak negativity, the more that you speak your carnal, natural, lustful, yucky self, guess direction you're headed. But when you begin to pray in the Spirit and you fill your mouth with the words of heaven, guess what direction you're headed praying in the spirit. A wild horse cannot accomplish much, but bridle his tongue and accomplish great exploits. A ship tossed by the winds of life cannot go far, but with a rudder, it can explore the world, allowing God to direct the course of your life. Why don't you stand with me?